Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us again for another edition of Winning Ponies. Got some top guests for you and some late-breaking news. And for those of you that are regulars at the Winning Ponies website, Hope you're looking at our easy win forms at Sam Houston. Uh, just yesterday, on the, on the sheets, obviously not everybody bought one and bet every race. We hit every race, including two pick fours, uh, which has a carryover tonight, and then uh, a late pick five, which has a carryover. But the first pick four uh, paid 22000 plus for a $2 bet. So uh, the easy win form is doing fantastic at Sam Houston. Had a good day Monday at Aqueduct, a $11,360 Superfecta. That was Monday. And also uh, Charlestown, when they run, we got a, a $964 Super in the 7th on Tuesday. So uh, be sure to get on winningponies.com and check out the easy win forms. They're easy to learn to read and they're easy to get you to the cashier's window. Uh, some interesting guests tonight. Uh, Pat Cummings is the director of racing information for Trackus, but basically he is the quarterback for many, many operations over in Dubai, and uh, he's going to be catching us up on what's going on in Dubai. They had races there today. It's what they call their carnival season, uh, but it's going to be kind of uh, ramping up to uh, the, the, the large festival at the end. Of course, we'll be telling you about uh, some of the horses from the United States that may be competing and some of the champions from around the world uh, that will be showing up in Dubai. So that's, that's Pat Cummings. Uh, he is the know-all of Dubai Racing also gives picks out. So uh, in addition to that, we're going to have a popular guest, uh, Michael Baychak, will be our handicapper. You remember him as the million-dollar first-place prize winner in the 2012 Daily Racing Forum NTRA Handicapper of the Year. Uh, while he's been a guest on our show, he now uh, he, he's going to handicap some races with me. We're going to go across the country uh, from down in Florida, the Mac Diarmida, uh, which is a uh, grade two, and then uh, the El Camino Real, which could have derby implications. That from Golden Gates, they have a points race. And then we'll go down the coast to Santa Anita, to the Santa Maria, the return of Fifty Shades of Hay. And then a quick stop off at Laurel, the Barbara Fritchie Handicap. Now, keep your fingers crossed because, as you know, the weather has not been kind to 
Friends of Racing this week. There's been uh, several uh, tracks uh, knocked out. One that's going to be knocked out for the entire weekend in northern Kentucky is Turfway Park. They've had accumulated snow and ice. Uh, they had uh, just about single-digit uh, degrees for, oh, I think it was five days in a row. It was unbelievable. So it really did affect the, the poly track. And rather than take the chance of, uh, you know, the horsemen showing up to race and then not racing, I believe it's very difficult to train out at this time, too. Uh, there'll be no live racing from Turfway Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, also, um, Aqueduct has already canceled its Friday card, and uh, depending on how late you're up or if you've already noticed that uh, Laurel and Penn and Charlestown uh, canceled today. So uh, the polar vortex just wreaking havoc with us uh, here in the United States and obviously affecting some of our racing. Hopefully it won't affect any of the races that we're going to be uh, handicapping with uh, Michael Baychak. Well, uh, we get some interesting information today. I know there was a big flap years ago when all of a sudden a British announcer took over America's greatest race, the Kentucky Derby. Well, Larry Kalnas, who's been on Winning Ponies with us before, today was named the Churchill track announcer. He'll be the seventh track announcer ever at Churchill, uh, replacing Mark Johnson. And Mark's been on this show and a very um, Excellent guy, a class act, but uh, Larry Kalmus, you know, has really been getting a lot of national attention. Uh, he's a veteran of nearly three decades of calling races in a career that started when he was 18. Um, then, of course, he moved into calling for NBC Sports, and he took over the Triple Crown, the Belmont, and the Breeders' Cup. So, uh, Larry Kalnas uh, will be the new the new voice of Churchill Downs. Uh, he'll call on air the 140th Derby Sunday, May 3rd. Of course, uh, before Johnson, it was uh, my good friend Luke Kreitbosch that was there for a short time. Uh, Kurt Becker, the Keeneland announcer, and then longtime race caller and an all-time good guy. He's been a handicapper here. On Winning Ponies, Mike Battaglia called for a long stretch between 78 and 96. And before him, it was Chick Anderson, 61 to 77. Well, Gene Schmidt was the first Churchill Downs announcer. Back then, didn't go out any place except for live. So uh, congratulations to uh, Larry Kalmus. He'll be taking up residency in Louisville part-time. Of course, he believe uh, there'll be no overlap, and he'll have, be able to uh, continue his race calling down at Gulfstream Park for the part of the season that he does. So that's some late-breaking news. Also, uh, in Bullient, if I'm saying her name right, uh, Zenyatta's half-sister was just upset a couple hours ago. She went off the heavy, heavy favorite and was beaten by a three-to-one shot. So um, hopefully she'll be coming back. Everybody's been watching her since the day she was born. So Ebiasant, uh, if I'm saying it right, probably saying it wrong. We'll see her back at the races. Well, made some changes in Naira this week. It looks like the Belmont Stakes card is going to be offering 
$8 million. It'll be the second richest day of racing behind the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita. Uh, it'll be a 13-race Belmont Stakes Day card. Uh, it'll be a new three-day Belmont Stakes Festival that they're going to offer with different hospitality and entertainment options. Uh, five traditional Belmont Stakes Day contests, the, the, the Belmont, the One Million Manhattan, the Grade 1 Longines Just a Game, the Grade 2 Woody Stevens, and the $150,000 Easy Goer will be back as part of the 2014 events. Now, five stakes that weren't contested on Belmont Stakes Day, and a lot of the bloggers are going back and forth on, on this one, uh, saying, hey, you, get, you should probably keep it spread out, um, will uh, be the Grade 1 Metropolitan Handicap, known as the Met Mile, race for three and up at a mile on the main track. Also new to Belmont Stakes Day are the Grade 1 Ogden Phipps, the Grade 1 Acorn, the Grade 2 Brooklyn Invitational, and the Grade 3 Jayapur. And it's going to include the Brooklyn bonus, whereas any horse was previously won a graded stakes at a mile and three sixteenths or longer will get a bonus of 175000 if he or she captures it in the Brooklyn. So uh, eight, $8 million dollars. A lot of money up for grabs. Belmont Day, I got a feeling whether or not there's going to be a Triple Crown winner on the line that uh, it's going to be quite the day this year, no matter what, with all of those uh, uh, great races all on one card. I just can imagine trying to get some guests for that show. Uh, well, the 140th Kentucky Derby future wager still, uh, obviously the, no one has jumped to the top because all others – is the favorite at three to two right now? This is this is in the the second pool, and uh, uh, so everybody's got some decent odds. You'll get better odds out at uh, out in Vegas. Uh, Honor code right now hanging at twelve to one. Cairo Prince at thirteen to one uh, seem to be the ones uh, going to the top. Shared belief at fourteen to one, but uh, we're not even a hundred percent sure that strong belief is going to be. In the race, and not only has he been set back in his training, but we remember this. Uh, he is a gelding. So, quite frankly, as much as the Kentucky Derby is the most important race in the world in, in most people's opinion, um, he's not going to enhance himself for stud value. And obviously, Jerry Hollendorf, for her own part of him, is going to keep him around for a while. So, I don't think he's going to squeeze the, the lemon dry just to get to him uh, to the Derby. Uh, here's a big surprise. Uh, Jockey Pat Valenzuela, who hasn't ridden since late January, uh, at that time he said his career was over, has actually been banned from racetrack grounds. Uh, he failed to appear at a hearing with the stewards February 6th to discuss his absence from riding, and so now he's been suspended indefinitely. Uh, he told his agent that uh, he was done with riding, but uh, because he won't even deal with the stewards, uh, it looks like he uh, won't even be allowed on a racetrack. That's got to be tough, tough for somebody that spent their whole life at one. Well, uh, looks like we're going to be talking to Pat Cummings a little bit about Mucho Macho Man as being one of the stars going to the Dubai World Cup. Uh, he's one of the American horses in the 2014 nominations. I'm sure Pat will be able to catch us up on, on a lot of the horses. Uh, just an amazing group that this brings together uh, from all over the world. Uh, some other horses you might know are uh, Secretary of State's winner, Admiral Kitten, owned by the Ramses, uh, will be going. Of course, uh, they, they won the uh, Dubai World Cup with Roses in May. 
and also Big Blue Kitten. So uh, Kittens Joy, one of the top stallions in the country this year, will be uh, represented over there. Uh, Game on Dude, I believe, has been invited back. Uh, So it's going to be very interesting uh, from across the pond. The Epsom Derby winner, ruler of the world, and uh, the 2000 Guineas Breeders' Cup star magician, um, Aiden O'Brien, will be bringing them over. He brings over a big contingent every year. Again, we'll we'll be talking to Pat Cummings here in a few minutes and, uh, and, and catch up on what going on in Dubai. Okay, well, last week, uh, again, Fox Sports 1 put on a big race, uh, three big races for us from Gulfstream, the biggest, of course, being the Don Handicap, and Leah broke the track record. She has now moved to the barn of Al Stahl, and she won the Don Handicap over Will Take Charge. Uh, very powerful, powerful race. So it looks like we got a new horse on the Handicap ranks. Um, not going to take much away from Will Take Charge. Uh, he did get kind of bottled up uh, coming around the turn and into the lane, but Leah really pulled away uh, at 5-1 to one and, and looked very, very good. So uh, congratulations to all the connections at the storied Claiborne Farm. Looks like they might have another top stallion on their hands. That was the Don Handicap. Uh, Steve Anderson from the Daily Racing Forum was our guest handicapper for three races at Santa Anita last week. Of course, the one of most interest to you, the Robert B. Lewis. And this for three-year-olds, the winner, very impressive. And perhaps my favorite, if you made me bet the Derby right now, is Candy Boy. Looks like Gary Stevens, although he's on several other top three-year-olds, might be zeroing in. This was his first race back since uh, running second to shared belief in the cash call futurity. He was on the rail fourth and then moved outside the top three into the uh, stretch, responded very well to a left-hand whip. So he came over she too, put in a solid effort. And in the third spot, the other horse we liked was Midnight Hawk. Uh, then in the grade two, San Antonio. Uh, of course, everybody was putting a ring around Game On Dude. Well, there were bridge jumpers galore. Thousands and thousands was bet on Game On Dude to hit the board, and he did not. He finished fifth. Uh, the winner at 15 to 1 was Blingo, and he just holding off 26 to 1 and Imperative. If you were lucky enough to have that exacta, well, you came home with an extra $565 in your pocket. Last race we handicapped the San Marcos, grade two at Santa Anita, a mile and a quarter. It was Vagabond Shoes, a horse that Steve Anderson liked. Uh, rated in seventh and put in a huge run at the end. His last race before this was the Breeders' Cup turf, where he ran two and a quarter lengths behind Magician. Well, that pretty much knocks out uh, what's uh, happened last week on the show and what's coming up. We're going to find out anything and everything about the racing in Dubai. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. Okay, and I just want to let my producer know we got a little bit of a background noise there, and I think it went away with the intro. So right now we're going to introduce you to uh, uh, Patrick Cummings. Right now he's the Director of Racing Information for Trackus, uh, a very good tool that many, many are using in racing, and certainly you can use on the races in Dubai. But uh, he's become a, a bit of an expert uh, on Dubai, and um, he's the editor of DubaiRaceNight.com, which is a comprehensive website uh, covering racing racing in Dubai and the United Arab Emirates, and uh, we, uh, he does the full card analysis at May Dan. And I, I just got a note from my producer that, Dan, that's your phone that's giving us a little bit, so if you, might, if you can move away from the microwave, that'll be great. Welcome to Winning Ponies. Hey, thanks so much, John. Okay, well, you know, uh, what I'm trying to do t- tonight by having an expert on like you is to explain to our, our listeners um, about racing in Dubai and about how it, it works its way up to Super Saturday, and then maybe just kind of describing some of the uh, the, the happenings and the way things are, are set up over there. So let's start with, with the schedule. Um, at the moment, do they race once a week on Thursdays, and, and that's the beginning of the carnival season? That's right. Uh, we're, uh, today was the sixth night of the Dubai World Cup Carnival, and by night, it's night when it happens in Dubai, but it's morning when it happens in the U.S. So the action tends to get going between 9.30 and 10 o'clock on Thursday mornings. Now, they will race on Saturday, Saturday, March, uh, I guess it's the 1st, and then Saturday, March 8th. But it's every Thursday up until that point, and uh, then they run March 1st and March 8th. So Really, if they're following me on Twitter or following Dubai Race Night, I kind of guide everybody around. But the UAE racing over there, there's 57 days of racing. Ten of them are what we consider the prime days, the carnival days, where the average field size right now is over 13 horses per race. They run about half their races on an all-weather tapita surface, half their races on the turf, and the average purse is somewhere around 175 thousand dollars they bring horses in from all over the world john it's really phenomenal uh, yeah i, I did go up and look at the that. past performances yep. you gave us and um 
it was just unbelievable. I mean, everything from South Africa to New Zealand to the United States. I mean, name a region of the world, and you've got horses there that have been bred there ready to compete against each other. It's the truth. Six continents of horses are represented in Dubai, whether it's through owners, trainers, jockeys, or breeding. Uh, they really, the world goes to race at Maidan. And if you are at all interested in horse racing, it's just fascinating because you get so many complementary form lines that go through the horses that it really helps you determine who is better, who who is the best out there. And, look, the best part about it is the money is really flowing, and they fly horses in from all over the world. If you run two times during the carnival, your shipping is free. So the incentive to come and participate is really significant, and that's why people are running horses in in races where the average field size is 13. So it's big fields. It's bulky fields. It means there's high-priced favorites. Uh, There's a lot of action out there. Uh, They have a tote that operates out of North America. Uh, It's commingled with France and South Africa and a couple other countries. So there is some liquidity in the pools. Granted, it's not all that big, but... On a Thursday or a Saturday morning when no one else is really running, it's really a good opportunity to get involved and take a shot because on the day of the World Cup, the pools are really substantial. So the more you can get involved in the carnival, the better. Well, explain to our listeners uh, a little bit of the physical layout because from what I understand, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you might have Team USA over one area and Team Britain in another and Team Australia in another, and they're really not on top of the racetrack, that's for sure. Oh, that, that is definitely for sure. Uh, you won't see any barns from the racetrack. It's normally about a, a half-hour uh, horse walk to get to the track in the morning, and, and there is a, the stables are pretty well segmented uh, between horses that are based in the UAE and horses who have come over internationally. Uh, it, 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 it's just not your normal layout. Of course, then again, the grandstand is six furlongs long. It has a ton of sweet. <laughs> Uh, if you turn the uh, grandstand on its uh, right side up, it would be the tallest building of the world. Uh, but you don't have to worry about that because that's about five miles to the north of the racetrack, the Burj Khalifa. Uh, it, it is a fantastic place to go racing. Admission is free during the carnival. Uh, you can come. You can participate in various competitions that they run. And, in fact, someone today picked all six winners on a straight ticket and earned roughly $16,000. And guess how much they had to put up to play that pick-six competition on course? Absolutely nothing. It's free to enter when you're there. Wow, that's unbelievable. Now, uh, how many years have you been involved? Because I I read your picks, and your insight into these animals is phenomenal. Thank you, John. Uh, This is my eighth year covering the races. I started really at the beginning of uh, 2000, well, the end of 06. Really, uh, my first uh, World Cup was 07. I've been going back every year since. I don't live over there. I live in the States, but it's surprisingly easy to follow it from afar. And when I've been doing it as long as I have and built up some connections, yeah, again, it, it really does make it easier. And really, it, 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 it's fun. I mean, it's a lot of times it's the same horses racing against each other. Granted, some of them are coming from all over the world, but it just makes for what I think is really exciting racing. Now, as far as the layout of the track, am I correct in, in, in assuming it's, it's hard to see sometimes at night, and they use kind of different angles than we're used to here in the U.S. Is, yeah. is, are the main tracks inside the turf course? Yeah, I would consider it like Woodbine, uh, except instead of a slightly weirdly shaped turf course uh, as Woodbine is, 
it's a symmetrical oval on the outside, and that's the turf, and it has a straight six furlong run in on the turf. Uh, but the stretch itself is about uh, five sixteenths of a mile. And then on the inside is a mile, almost a mile and an eighth, just shy of a mile and an eighth in circumference, uh, with, a, with a straight one-mile chute that I would liken to uh, the dog leg that you find at the Belmont on the turf court, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so they're really able to run a variety of distances, uh, and they can run up to 16 horses uh, in one shot, and they did today. They ran, they ran 16 horses at a mile and a quarter today in a, in a very competitive first race. Now, Pat, my question to you as a handicapper and as most of our listeners are, with horses squaring off against each other, coming from practically every hemisphere, uh, changing maybe perhaps to a Tepeda track or uh, being on a turf course they've never been on, is, is there anything we can look for as an angle or a bias? Is, is there any edge over there? Well, the one thing you have to recognize is that there are a couple of people that have an advantage there are three trainers in particular. Two of them trained for Godolphin, Sheikh Mohammed's operation. That's Saeed bin Saror, who, of course, we're familiar with. And Charlie Appleby, who we're a little less familiar with, but he trained the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf winner this year, Al Strip. Uh, those two guys, along with Mike DeCock, uh, they are uh, three trainers, and they've combined so far. There's only 61 races during the carnival, John. Those three trainers have combined for... I believe, uh, almost 20 wins so far out of maybe uh, 33, 34 races uh, that wow. have been run so far. Uh, there's one trainer with uh, three wins and another with two, and anybody else has one. So if you can follow the Godolphin and the Mike DeCock uh, trainees, you're typically on the right course. But here's the thing. The value is there because of the field size. So really, if you're just looking to place some value you get that in Dubai. The average win mutual is returning more than, uh, I believe, uh, $21 right now. Uh, the average exacta, I didn't check it after today's numbers, but prior to this week, the average $1 exacta was returning about $100 even. And I took out the biggest exacta because there was one that was just huge, where it went 40 to 140. Well, I even took that out, and you're averaging 100 to 1 on the exacta payoff. Unbelievable. Well, um, now, it, 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 it culminates on Super Saturday, and, and I have watched this. Um, I thought it was the opening of the Olympics that they had moved to Dubai. First of all, how do they do that, considering that they don't do it an hour before the races? There were actually horses getting ready to race. It was phenomenal. Well, yeah, so you're, you're thinking about the opening ceremony for the World Cup, which is um, it is like the Olympics. It's unbelievable. Uh, and I actually feel like I saw some uh, dynamics at the uh, Sochi Olympic ceremonies that I actually had seen in Dubai before. I mean, it is, it is very significant. But uh, the horses actually come through under the race course through tunnels, and they're, and they're actually pretty removed uh, from, from what's actually going on outside. So that's the way they're able to do that. Look, there's two big days to keep in mind. March 8th, that's Super Saturday. That's the prep day for the World Cup, and the World Cup this year is on March 29th. On that day, the action will get started bright and early, about 8 a.m. Eastern time, but by gosh, they will run $27 million in purses in those uh, eight thoroughbred races. And uh, I mean, you're going to get American shippers, you're going to get Europeans, horses that have been at the carnival throughout the course of the winter. It's going to be a really 
frenetic day. And again, typically we've seen some fairly good payoffs. All right, well, we're talking to Pat Cummings. I know the noms came out this week. I've only got about two minutes left in, in this segment. Um, uh, what do you think about the, uh, the, the horses coming from U.S.? Well, it's a little undetermined right now. Chad, or rather Ken Ramsey, has made it pretty clear that he wants to get Kitten's Joy more international recognition. So they're expecting that they will see a real solution go in the Dubai World Cup and Big Blue Kitten in the turf race for a mile and a half on the Dubai Shima Classic. Look, does Mucho Macho Man go? That's a question. Uh, Game on Duke was a nominee. I was a little surprised to see that considering his one try there in the past. Right. Uh, it's still up in the air. Golden Sense, we just heard today, was invited to run in the one-mile Peter race, the uh, Godolphin Mile. Uh, it will flesh itself out over the next couple weeks, and we'll hear. Well, look, they've only run four Dubai World Cups on the Tapita surface. One of them was won by an American, one of them by a Japanese horse, one who was trained in Dubai, and one who was really trained in Europe. So it's been incredibly diverse, and as a result, the, uh, the shortest-priced winner so far was the American-trained winner in Animal Kingdom last year. Well, it's hard to believe this will be the 19th renewal of this uh, showpiece. Yeah, that, I know. Believe it. Cigar was the first. <laughs> and certainly one uh, Bill Mott and many of us here in the States will remember. Well, well, we've been talking with Pat Cummings, and I really appreciate you being on the show and, and, and opening up our eyes. And I do know that on those big days, a lot of the tracks in the U.S. do try to make an effort to, to get their doors open early. And I, I hope you have a huge day, a great success, and I wish you the best of luck over there. Thanks a lot, John. Really appreciate it, and all the best to everybody. Okay, that was uh, Pat Cummings that we are talking to. And coming up next, we're going to talk to a guy who's not only a great handicapper, but he's entered into the world of, shall I say, acting, though being himself really isn't acting. Michael Baychak will be with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with a guest that I've reached out to on several occasions, and he's always been kind enough to come on. Of course, I know all the listeners at Winning Ponies like to listen to some of the best handicappers in the world, and he's got proof. He's got an Eclipse Award that says he won the $1 million first prize in the title of 2012 Daily Racing Forum NTRA Handicapper of the Year. Uh, Michael Baychak, uh, he uh, lives down in Baton Rouge, and what's interesting is his story, a little bit like this year's, in that it was a very close call. Uh, he got he just got up in the last jump, and I believe only won by about a dollar. The same thing happened this year. Uh, but the, the the great part of Michael's story is that the the horse that that got him that million dollars uh, was a horse by the name of Glorious Dancer. And uh, years later, uh, Michael saw this horse in, in a lower price claimer race. Uh, he, he went in for sixty two fifty. And bought Glorious Dancer, brought her back to Louisiana, and from what I understand from Michael, she's she's found a new career. She's got a new home. First, thank you, John, for having me on again. I, I like uh, nothing I like more than talking about horse racing. Uh, yeah, she she's uh, been retrained as a polo pony, and she's just doing fantastic. She enjoys her new career, and I hope she's got a, a long polo career ahead of her. Well, a friend of mine who's a very astute polo player says, for whatever reason, uh, the, the mares uh, seem to be a little more uh, quick of foot as some of the boys. I don't know if that's because they're slightly smaller and they cut the turns better or whatever. So uh, I, I, hope she, I hope she has fun. I know those people take good care of their horses. Oh, she gets the greatest care. I mean, that was the one thing that I really wanted to make sure of. She was adopted by a neurosurgeon who lives north of New Orleans, and, you know, she's got maybe i don't know six eight ten horses and they just live the life of riley i mean they get totally constant care uh and they're always you know attended to and um and she gets to be a horse which is you know what i wanted her to to have a long life at doing well uh just a couple of weeks ago i looked down on the tv listing <laughs> and, I, and i see this horse player and i guess what on my cable system is somewhat new called esquire tv and I thought back to a time a couple months ago when you, you kind of tipped me off. You said, well, there's something going on, but I can't tell you. And I found out what it was you couldn't tell me because I turned on horse players, and there you are. Uh, it, it's a very uh, wonderfully produced show that, that follows guys that are trying to get uh, to the National Handicapping Tournament. And what's so neat is... It really is, Michael. It's a microcosm of the track. It, it has cerebral people like you. It's got the Long Island Cowboy. It's got Peter Rotundo and his crew from Staten Island. Uh, it's a great mix of people. And uh, aside from one or two characters, most of you look like you're having a pretty good time, even though you're playing against each other. We do. We, we do have a good time. It's horse players. It's on Tuesday nights at uh, 10 Eastern, 9 Central. Uh, you can also get it online, I think, at tv.esquire.com. And if you're trying to find your channel, uh, it's in 85 million homes, the Esquire Network. And uh, if you go to tv.esquire.com, they have a channel finder. Most people have it. Um, it was a lot of fun. We were actually finished shooting um, for the year. We're, we're still traveling a little bit to do some pickup stuff, but we've, we've 
shot 10 episodes. Um, the culmination, of course, was the three weeks ago, the National Handicapping Championship, which is what the show is revolving around. The storyline is all of us trying to qualify to get back to, or some of us for the first time, uh, to Vegas to win the, the National Handicapping Championship. And, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you mentioned <laughs> the first uh, in the first, you know, intro about the Eclipse Award and, and the championship. It's funny, you know, we take, I take a lot of ribbing from the guys on the show, and I can always pull out the old ace in the hole, you know, which is, uh, hey, I got the award. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, it's like any jockey that's ever won the Kentucky Derby when he's in an year. airport. What do you do? I'm a jockey. Have you ever won the Kentucky Derby? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's right. question. Yeah. So uh, we, we, we've had a great time. Um, I've had a great time meeting a lot of new people. Uh, we've just been so fortunate to travel to uh, tracks around the country, Del Mar, Saratoga, Keeneland, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Belmont, you know, fairgrounds we shot there. And, and so, you know, that, that's just been a wonderful opportunity for me. Um, the show, you know, it, you can't really describe what reality TV is to people unless they go through it, you know. I don't. I, I mean, I didn't enjoy having cameras in my face all the time. I think if you do, you're not, you know, you're not kind of sane. And we might have some of those folks on the show, actually, um, who <laughs> didn't mind the cameras. I, I was someone who kind of, you know, was always leery of what I was doing and saying. And But it's a... It, I encourage everybody to watch it. I'm proud of it. You mentioned they did a great job producing it. It's very well shot. I think as the season goes along, we did 10 episodes. We're only in episode three. Um, You'll see that there's a lot of other things that go on, not only at the track that we shot, but off the track that we shot. We do a lot of a few things with Thurbert Aftercare, which Kevin Cox and I are both very passionate about. There's some goofy things, you know, um, going to a voodoo priestess in New Orleans to get all the bad juju out. <laughs> I'm uh, sure you led that parade. <laughs> no, nah, you know, tattoo parlors and stuff like that. And, you know, we went to the yearling farms in Kentucky and visited Zenyatta. You know, so, I mean, there's some really great stuff coming up. Um, I, you know, I encourage people if they don't like the first three episodes so far, you know, just think of it as, hey, this is like the first quarter mile of a mile and a quarter race, and it's, you know, we're going to close really fast. It's evolving. Now, one question I have to ask is, how did they come up with the cast of characters? I think the way they came up with me, I don't know the rest. You know, I I mean, I was asked to do it um, because I was the most recent past champion, and my first reaction was not no, but hell no. And then I saw, <laughs> I saw some footage, or I saw the show, or found out actually that the production company that was going to do the show had done jockeys um, for Animal right. Network. And I love that show. I thought it was so very well done, very well shot. They treated horse racing with, in a positive light. So I said, okay, I'll go ahead and give it a shot. Actually, I think Christian Helmers um, and the Rotundos that you mentioned had shot the pilot. So they were already in the show, along with John Conti. Um, and we came up with the, we, but the show came up with the other characters, uh, Kevin Cox, who was the hottest handicapper in America last year, one of the uh-huh. top three. We found him in New York, and he's easy to find in his big 10-gallon. You don't see many of those guys. In New York, right? <laughs> 
Um, and then Matt Bernier, who was the youngest uh, qualifier to the National Handicapping Championship two years ago. Yeah, he lends an interesting side to it. He really, yeah, he's kind of like where we all, he kind of, we revolve around Matt trying to teach, he's young, he's new, some of us try to teach him things, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's really where it came up. We tried to get a couple of, um, you know, females in there. Um, I know in the second episode, Michelle, you and Gabby Godet were in it, and we tried to get them in, but it just didn't work out on their schedule. So, unfortunately, right. you know, people are just going to have to watch a bunch of guys for the rest of the year, but hopefully they're season two. Well, and the other thing is that the contest that you guys are in are uh, very recognizable key races throughout the show. Right. I mean, you know, most of the contests that we play, like I said, they're filming at the nice upper-end tracks when there are great racing going on at other tracks. So, um, yeah, the people get to see some horses, some great horses compete, as well as some great horse players, some great handicappers compete. You know, we don't, we're not all successful this year, but uh, we all gave it our best shot, and uh, we had a lot of fun, and I think the show will show that... Uh, we gave each other a hard time when we needed it, and we gave each other a great pat on the back when, 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 it, when it was deserved. And let's face it, when you go to the track, it, it is a, a, a social thing. Um, that's what you do. Whether you're with your best friend or a guy you just met five minutes ago, you can either bust his chops or pat him on the back. Uh, it, it, it's the great part of, of the social aspect of our game. You know, for me, that's so true, and it's evolved because I, I used to go to the track very seriously, didn't want to go socially, you know, because I was going to make money. And now when I go to the track, it's 100% social. I mean, sure, I'm betting and trying to win, but it's nothing serious because I'm having a great time bringing people to the track. When I'm at home betting online on twinspires.com, I mean, that's when I'm, you know, being serious about it. Um, But the track is just, uh, it's almost like, it's just it's so much fun these days. You know, I love going to the track with the guys or the girls and the you know wives and significant others. It's just it's a wonderful atmosphere. All right, one last question about the show, and maybe yeah. we'll uh, get into some handicapping since you're a bit of a handicapper. Is as the episodes went on, did you find yourself getting more comfortable with the with the cameras being around and almost ignoring them and just being more relaxed? Yes. And no, certainly the first couple of episodes and times that, you know, we shot, they were, you just, you're always aware of their presence. You're always aware that you have a microphone on. Um, as we got further into it, it didn't really bother me as much. I think, though, the handicapping, you know, we're still trying to compete and we're very serious and committed to trying to win a tournament you know and playing for real money and sometimes the show did get into in in the way of um concentration of uh just feeling comfortable you know um but i signed up for it and you know i'm not going to complain about it that and that's not an excuse it's just it did you know so but at the end you know yeah we all <laughs> we we didn't really care about the cameras anymore. We didn't care that some guy was reaching down our shirt and, you know, putting a microphone on us and, you know, or whatever, taking, you know, just, it just, it became just part of the the scenery, kind of. 
Well, you looked really relaxed in that one scene where you were on the backstretch. It almost looked like Churchill Downs. You kind of had your, your coat tossed over your shoulder, yeah. and you were looking dead into the camera. I mean, uh, it really looks like you've certainly found your comfort zone. That was actually the first time they ever shot me. And uh, I, I, and I think they, it took a while to get me that relaxed. My wife was there, and I might have had a few drinks. So, And it was the derby. So, you know, I mean, why not be relaxed? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. Well, I, I, again, it's horse players. It, it's on the Esquire Network. Uh, before we leave with Michael, we'll, we'll, we'll repeat where you can where you can find it. Um, I, I've caught two episodes and found them thoroughly enjoyable and, and something I can absolutely uh, relate to uh, as a handicapper and uh, and somebody that likes to go to the races with his buddies. Well, um, I sent you races from all over the country. Hopefully, the weather man will uh, deal with us at, at some of these tracks. The only one I really worry about, I think, is probably Laurel. Yeah. Uh, but we, we, we do have a uh, derby race that, uh, not a derby race, but a race that has points for the Kentucky Derby out on the West Coast. Again, we'll probably see a lot of these horses banging heads uh, as they go down the road uh, to, to the Santa Anita Derby where the, the points get bigger. Uh, but we start at the Golden Gate Fields, I believe. The El Camino Real Derby uh, grade three is the, their only point race. This one, a mile and an eighth, so bit by bit we're stretching them out. It's kind of a yeah, hard to compare some of these horses. Uh, you know, some are uh, coming off uh, turf, some are com- coming off synthetic tracks. Um, so th- that always adds a little bit of a curve to it. Um, personally, I-, I think if all things go well, Gary Stevens may have found what's been the most impressive horse to me so far for him in Candy Boy and the Robert B. Lewis. But he's sitting on top enterprising for Tom Proctor in here. And this horse uh, looks pretty salty. It looks like he, he can stalk. Uh, the question is the switch to the surface. I'll be interested in getting your read on this race. I, thought, I looked at the race, and I thought it, it came up really uh, competitive to me. Um, you know, any time that happens, I'm going to probably be looking for a horse that, maybe the public has overlooked and just trying to find a little value. I really don't have a strong opinion. I definitely think enterprising, um, you know, he's had a race over the track. He's run second. He's got Gary Stevens who is just, you know, continues just to be, to win. It seems like every time there's a great at stake somewhere, doesn't matter. Gary Stevens is on the winner. You know, it's, it's a, it's an unbelievable story for a guy, uh, who was, you know, out of the game for so long and 50 years old, for goodness sakes. I mean, but he's certainly got a, you know, I think the price on enterprising is just a little short. Um, Tamarondo to me, um, ran behind, uh, California Chrome last time out. And I think this horse is definitely, I think he definitely prefers, uh, some sort of synthetic. Um, he's performed much better on synthetic, uh, Hollendorfer trains. I think the price is about right, three to one. Anything over would probably be a bet. The interesting horse to me is the one, uh, Craftsman, who is switching from turf to synthetic, but he was made the favorite in the Eddie Logan after coming overseas, uh, I guess in being bought by Eclipse Partners. I'm not sure they raced him over there, but he's been working just, Ever since he came over, you know, the clocker reports on him have been sparkling. And I'm willing to give him a shot. I mean, that would be my pick. He's got going blinkers on, changing surface, changing jocks, you know, new track. I mean, and he's still working out great. So 
I think at eight to one, that would probably be where I would go. I suspect, however, he might be bet down a little bit, but it's just, this is just a tough race. I mean, really, really tough race. And there's nothing wrong with Dance with Fate um, at all either. Certainly, again, I think he might be just a little bit better on synthetic, but he ran a great turf race last time out. So, I don't, you know, it wouldn't be a race I would like put my marker down and say, this is, this is, you know, who I like. I'm going to just let the board kind of go. So I guess I gave, I gave you a lot of different horses, but Craftsman anywhere around five, six to one would probably be where I end up. Well, what I like about Craftsman, there's an angle I developed years and years ago, perhaps my oldest brother Bob taught me this, was when you see an equipment change and then all of a sudden you see good works. Yeah. Uh, it, it tells you that, hey, they're not putting the blinkers on when they bring him over for the El Camino Real. Yeah. You know, they've been training him in blinkers, and obviously this horse has responded. So uh, yeah, with your Crocker's comments going with that, yeah. um, you know, I've got, to, I've got to co-sign off on Craftsman. And, you know, as, as, as talented as uh, Tamarondo has been with the Calbreds, I believe he was voted the two-year-old Calbred, uh, he does look like uh, he really prefers a, a synthetic track, but he comes into the race with a half million. Dollars, he's hard to knock, and quite frankly, anybody out of the Hollendorfer barn these days is. Yeah, you know the interesting thing too about yeah, he's going great guns. What do you make of the win- whoever wins it? You know, then what do you make of the winner? I mean, where is he on the Kentucky Derby road? He gets points, of course, but he just won a race on synthetic. I mean, so it's you know, it, it, that's what makes the Derby such a great race. One of these horses is going to be in the Derby if, he, if all goes well, if he stays healthy. Well, I think the great thing about the point system is it's going to scatter them everywhere from Oaklawn to Gulfstream to, to, to Aqueduct, you know. The fairgrounds, uh, look Keeneland. up. The fairgrounds. Oh, let's not, yeah, yeah. That's when I've got to get you back on it for the fairgrounds well, because I know that that's your backyard. Let me tell you, you got a great series Risen of races Star, coming Risen Star Race is just shaping up as a monster. I mean, uh, we we don't have time to talk about it, but Bondholder and Opportunity and Intense Holiday are all shipping in, and they're you know we have a great crop here, so it's that's that's a very salty race next weekend. But well, that that, that that's excellent, excellent race, ladies and gentlemen. We've just been talking about out at Golden Gates, the mile and an eighth El Camino Real, two hundred grand, and it's a Grade Two. Uh, let's see. All right, we're out in California, so we'll stay out there right now, Michael, if that's okay with you, and go to the Santa Maria that has kind of brought a couple headliners out there. Uh, another race that I, I think is, uh, though it's not a big field, has some very competitive horses, particularly uh, on the the, uh, the three on the inside. You've got you've got the two three finishers in the La Canada. You've got the one two out of the Passiana, and then uh, Fifty Shades of Hay, who certainly hasn't de- ducked anybody last nine starts have been in graded stakes races. Um, interesting jockey change. Martin Garcia will be on Fifty Shades of Hay, and Mike Smith gets on Dine, and when I say that, I mean on Dine is the name of the horse. <laughs> right. um, uh, and this one horse that's been right there so often, I just think it's got a lot of upside to him on the inside, is this uh, Iotapa, if I'm saying that correct. So for, for a short field, some interesting horses in here. Which way are you kind of going? Yeah, again, I think, unfortunately, the first two races you picked, I don't, I mean, I think there's one of five could win, maybe six. You know, um, it, you have to start, I guess, handicapping the race with the La Canada and just kind of say what happened with the pace, and, and was the pace the reason why, you know, Let Faith Arise ran so well? 
and Fifty Shades of Hay closed so well because they were just scorching early. Um, but On Dine was right on the pace and just barely lost. And then you get the rider switch, and like, what is Martin Garcia? I mean, why is he going to Fifty Shades of Hay when he almost won the daggone thing going 45 and change? So it's a very, very tough, tough race. I mean, when I if I had to... If I had to pick somebody, I'm probably going to go to the outside, well, yeah, the outside Stanwick. Um, I guess Sheriff's is back in California for good now, right? Uh, yeah, I think the East Coast experiment was enough for him. Right. So he's, you know, he's back there, and his horse has been running pretty well. I mean, he, you know, I think they, again, took a little time to adapt again. But there's nothing, you know, he takes, he takes his time with his horses. This one certainly looks like she prefers dirt. You know, his best races are on dirt. And don't you know that he doesn't run her on dirt much? So that's probably where I'm going to end up. I think I think the four to one morning line is. I, I think we'll get a little bit better than that. Any of these can win though. I like Iotapa probably to run you know a very big race from the inside, getting a nice stalking trip. But um, yeah, look, I mean this is a tough, tough, tough race. Yeah. Well, let's go to a track that we probably are going to get the race in, and that would be uh, the Mac Deer Media, if I'm saying that correct, grade two at Gulfstream. Kind of an interesting distance, a mile and three-eighths. Uh, we're going on the, the turf, and uh, we get, got some old Wiley veterans in there. Uh, you got a couple of kittens joys you can never uh, throw off the turf. you got Billy Mott and John Velasquez teening up. Uh, Tell me where you see this race because this is another one where I come up with about four horses. Yeah, it didn't draw that you know that really top notch turf graded stakes winner. I mean, it, you know, so there've been horses like Twilight Eclipse, who is a legitimate favorite, who's been knocking on the door, placing in grade ones. He's probably, you know, he certainly deserves favoritism to me. Um, I, I, you mentioned the the Mott Velasquez uh, horse, who. Um, slumber the four i don't you know that horse has just he's been brilliant and then he's just run bad you know bad races like i mean how do you run he just he's he's off and on i'm hoping that saturday he's on you know he's on i mean because if he is i think he wins this pretty easily i mean mott's been going pretty good in florida the last couple of weeks he started out slow but he's had a couple of winners he's running against some really nice horses i mean you know little mike and joshua tree are you know top top notch horses um i, I think that's where i'm going to end up i think the price will probably be, be around four to one um an, an interesting horse to me is uh, the one Sun Tracer. I really respect Chris Block and, and how he gets a horse ready for a race off a layoff. Uh, he might be a nice price, and he might come up and get a piece of it. But I think I'll end up with Slumber and uh, probably some Slumber, Twilight Eclipse, and No Kittens. All right. Well, I've only got about two minutes left before we get to plug horse players again. Uh, the Barbara Fritchie Handicap, hopefully they run it. I believe they're canceling uh, Friday at Laurel. It's a seven furlong race. It kind of owes an interesting distance. And if there's an interesting horse in here, in my opinion, it's my Wandy's girl who won this race last year, but since then has pretty much been on the shelf and uh, hasn't seen a win since uh, November 12th, uh, 2012 at Aqueduct. Um, uh, again, 
the horse is interesting, but you know, is, is, is as solid as some of these other horses. Centrique comes in here off two really solid, solid buyers. Uh, Linda Rice is going to be at Laurel with Lobber Dad. You got about a minute and a half, Michael. Help me out. Yeah, the the, uh, the seven furlong sprint distance is is tricky, right? I mean, those six furlong horses are trying to stretch out. Um, I, I, I like this horse a lot. I like your Ma Wandy's girl a lot. Uh, Hushin is um, going pretty good right now. He has brought this horse back off a layoff to run really big a few times. Um, I love the outside post because I think she'll be able to just kind of get a good position and stalk that early speed. Um, so, I mean, that's where I'm going to end up. I think the price will be Knights. Uh, Centric would be the horse that I think um, – is the one to beat. I'm not, I'm really, I'm almost kind of against Laverdad here. Uh, I'm not well, crazy about the inner aqueduct, six furlong sprinters, you know, trying to stretch out. I just hope they get they get the race off. We, we've been uh, talking to, to Michael Baychak, one of the top handicappers in the country, and uh, one of the uh, the key people in, in the show, Horse Players. Uh, it's on the Esquire Network. Any other information about how they can get to see the show? Yeah, you can watch it online, tv.esquire.com, or you can go to the same site and find your channel. Tuesdays, 10 o'clock Eastern, and we're in reruns. Next week, and our next episode will be, uh, I'm not sure, March, the first week, Tuesday in March, 10 o'clock, Eastern, Horse Players. All right, we've been listening to Michael Baychak. I want to thank Pat Cummings, and I want to thank you listeners so much for tuning in to Winning Ponies. Don't forget to go to the website. We've been awful hot in the last week. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.